This is the Moshpit Backstage Podcast for punk, metal and rock interviews and segments. Zen from Nabla Viscaris, and you're listening to the Mosh Pit on Sin. Zen is a vocalist from Nabla Viscaris, who'll be touring Australia in February, playing in Melbourne at Max Watts on the 10th. They released their latest album, Earn, last year. Zen, thank you so much for joining me. No problem at all, Ben. Much appreciated having me. Yeah, definitely, definitely. Um, so let's talk a little bit about the album, then we'll talk a little bit about the tour. Um... In terms of like writing between the band, how does that work? Because you've got a bunch of different members who do a bunch of different things. Yeah, I mean, we're. Um, I mean, granted, there's six of us uh, in the band. However, you know, uh, most of the writing was for Earn was done um, with five of us because we let our bass player go um, shortly. Well, just about as we we're kind of uh, starting the main uh, writing process for the album. Um, you know, we're all from really different backgrounds. Um, and, you know, we all have our unique talents that we bring to the band, but um, how we kind of start writing is, you know, one of the guitarists will, or, you know, Tim, he's quite involved within the songwriting process as well. Um, some will bring in a riff uh, or send a file to each other of a certain section of the song, and, you know, we'll all kind of pick it apart and kind of develop it from there. We don't have, like, a set formula as to writing a song. We don't care about song length and that sort of thing. Um, but, you know, we go by feel and, you know, once everyone's happy with the certain feel uh, that the song's going in and um, how it develops and that sort of thing, um, you know, once everyone's happy, then, you know, that's when we kind of say it's done. In terms of this particular album, um, yeah. maybe it's just me, I got a sort of feeling that it was sort of even more experimental than Citadel, uh, even more experimental than Portal of Eye. Is that is that just me? Is that something that was coming through in the the way you were uh, writing and talking about the album? Yeah, it's um, we actually get kind of quite a mixed response in regards to it. Some people think it's uh, it's a little simpler and less experimental. Where I, you know, I think it's um, as you suggested, possibly more, if not the same. I mean, it's it, uh, the album itself sounds like us. Um, we've still got all the same elements and, you know, all the songs are, you know, journeys the, um, and quite long and there's, you know, there's, we don't repeat a lot of things. And so, um, you know, we, I think, I think uh, the album itself kind of takes a little bit from our previous two albums but also adds a little bit more. You know, there's some sections that are some of the lightest um, that we've done and also, you know, the last, tra- last two tracks of the album being the one essential track, uh, earn is you know probably some of the darkest material we've ever written, um, and so you know um, I do think it's probably a little more experimental to a degree. And you know some of the members in the band are trying a few different things um, as well, especially Tim uh, with violin because he's uh, doing a lot more sort of um, uh, dissonant sounds and whatnot uh, included in it. Yeah, that definitely comes through. You mentioned the bass role. Um, the, the bassist. What effect does not having a fixed bassist in the writing recording process? How does that affect the way the album turned out? Well, it's you know we you know, just uh, as we're writing, uh, starting to write the majority of the album, um, so we let our bass player go, and um, you know obviously that caused 
um, quite a dark cloud to appear over the band. You know, he'd been in the band since, you know, um, well, uh, I don't know, maybe 2004 from memory. Um, and, you know, when you lose a member like that, it's going to create some sort of problem. But um, I think for us, it's um, under the stress that we're all, all, all under, not knowing, you know, what, what was going to happen to the base position, we kind of banded together. And I think uh, we formed a tighter, uh, more focused um, unit and kind of worked together a lot more efficiently uh, for the album. And so, you know, I was going to be, I, you know, I... I I put my heart and well, all of us have put our heart and soul into the band since you know day one, and you know one incident happening or losing one memory is not going to stop me or us from actually uh, continuing forward. And so you know we want to prove to ourselves that you know as long as you know uh, majority of the band is there, we can still move forward. And um, I think uh, for us uh, that whole darker vibe, that period that we went through, kind of reflects a lot in sort of darker undertone for the album as well. Let's talk a little bit about you and your specific role in the band in regards to the album. So, guitar, mentioned uh, guitar sort of mainly coming up with the riffs to sort of get everything started, maybe Tim as well. Yeah. At, at what stage do you come and you start putting the vocal stuff into it? You and, and, and also, how does it work between you and Tim? Sort of having the same role vocalist, but yeah. having very different approaches and very different uh, like points at which you, you kind of come into stuff. Yeah, well, I mean... Um, uh you know, straight away when you're, you're sent sections of certain songs, you're always thinking about, is this something that I can sing over? Is this, you know, how is this, where's this going to go? And, you know, um, a lot of the vocal stuff, until we, I don't like to necessarily um, uh, cement things down uh, until the whole song's written, but I'll have ideas as the song's going along um, because we don't, I don't know how much lyrical content I'll need for the song and as to whether or not things will fit and essentially my kind of story makes sense. Um, so I like to wait until everything's written and then already have an idea of general ideas where I, I want to be able to sing and, you know, Tim and I will kind of, uh, you know, work with each other and generally we'll go away and think, this is where I'm going to sing. Um, sing. And um, it turns out generally that we'll have kind of similar ideas as to where we think we should be singing and where the other should as well. And um, in terms of, I guess, lyrical content, um, I write, I write all Tim's uh, lyrics as well. He gives me uh, the melodies and sort of sounds that he wants to be able to work with, and gives me, I guess, a range of you know, syllables and that sort of thing to fit within certain sections. And so I'll write to that to um, accommodate, you know, uh, as best it fits for him. With those two very different styles of vocals, in terms of lyrics, how do you... What's your process for saying, this is the kind of thing I should be singing, this is the kind of thing Tim should be singing? Yeah. I, um, I, it's a lot harder for me to write for Tim because, you know, we're complete opposites in pretty much everything we do. Um, um, the, the stuff that, you know, I... Thing is, you know, generally going to be a lot darker, and I try to think slightly differently in regards to, you know, um, Tim's singing, and I'm not going to necessarily give him a line um, talking about uh, wanting to burn the world or something like that, because it wouldn't necessarily suit, you know, a lot of what he sings is quite uplifting, 
in a lot of ways. So it, you know, it'd be uh, almost a contradiction in, in some ways. So, you know, I've got to try and get myself out of my kind of mindset for what I'm saying and sort of try to channel Tim in some way. You're, you're like the main person behind concepts, imagery of Neighbour Sky. It's not just the lyrics it's been discussed, but um, the, yeah. the graphic design work. Talk a little bit about how you approached Earn in particular and, and were there any inspirations that went into that? Yeah, look, I mean, like a lot of the time, you know, the music with our, with everything we do, the music comes first. Um, and as the music's developing, I'm, you know, getting a sense of uh, the lyrics that I want to use and <clears throat> uh, lyrics I want to use and getting a visual for that as well. Yeah, when I write, I want to be able to almost describe, like, almost like a moving painting or moving tapestry or something like that to give some sort of strong kind of sense of uh, vision to people to kind of interpret. And, you know, um, when I'm developing lyrics, I'll get sort of my own image of what I want to uh, represent and sort of then sort of, I guess, the artwork for that will develop from it. So, you know, any album that you that we have or whatever is all related to lyrics within the album itself. Uh, let's talk a little bit about tour. You've been on several international tours. You just returned from the States, I believe? Uh, yeah, in uh, <clears throat> start of December, got back from the US. Mm. Um, you, you've done quite a few of these now. At this stage, do you, are, you, are you still learning stuff about you know, what what it is to put on a live show, or are you just comfortable? You just go out there and you know exactly what you're doing, and it's it's well, yeah, yeah. It's a good question. Um, it's you know uh, every every show you play is you'll learn something from. I think you know you'll have because every show is unpredictable. You you know certain things can go wrong, like your your in-ear monitors can cut out. Um, you know, someone falls over or whatever. It's 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 every show is never going to be the same, and so you're always constantly learning. And it is, you know, if you're not learning, then you know you. I know you should be pushing yourself more, or I'm not entirely sure. You know, you're you're generally comfortable when you go out because you know you've rehearsed the songs, um, and then you've played them on tour every night, and so you know you essentially know them back to front. Um, but, you know, you're constantly learning how to deal with certain things because your Indian mix might not be right and, you know, you might have a moment where you don't hear something and you miss your cue to come in and, you know, it, we're all human and at the end of the day we make mistakes and, you know, all of us make mistakes in what we do. You know, the crowd may not hear some of them but, you know, we'll kind of analyse ourselves afterwards and beat ourselves down and pay each other out after the show as to, you know, who stuffed up what and... Um, but in terms of uh, the touring side of things, that's a constant learning process. Mm. Um, you know, you're touring different countries, you're touring with different bands, and you kind of work out how to how to work more efficiently with you know different bands working different ways. And sort of, you've got to kind of be quite adaptable for wherever you're um, touring. In terms of just the general life, like apart from the travel, um, getting getting directly ready for a show and actually doing the show. What is that like? What do you do outside of those sort of activities? Well, if well for me, if it if it's sort of a club tour where you're doing a show pretty much every day, uh, for me I'm quite boring, unfortunately, um, because you know my my body is my instrument, 
And so everything I do affects that. And, you know, my number one priority on, on tour is to be healthy and be able to perform each night. You know, it's, you scream for an hour and a half every night and, you know, your, your body's not necessarily, it's not a natural thing for your body to do. So it's, it's going to wear it down gradually. And so, you know, every day our show is, we'll, say for the US, where we uh, turn up at a venue, we unload, we do sound check, uh, we may do some press stuff, may have an hour or two to look around whatever city we're in, if we can. Some of the guys may go to a gym or whatever, and then we'll do, you know, all the other bands will uh, do all their sort of uh, set up the wait around the venues, then we'll play, then we'll pack up, we'll do fan stuff, we'll get in the bus, go to sleep, and then we'll travel to the next place. So we don't necessarily got a lot of downtime in terms of being able to go and do things. Granted, I guess there's a lot of waiting waiting around for things to happen, like waiting for... Um, but you can't necessarily um, do a lot. You can't go on, like, a mountain hike or something if you really wanted to. So for me, it's kind of... Um, if, if it's a show every day, it's kind of relaxing and not using my body um, too much and wearing myself down. So it's not no reading, listening to music, writing, that sort of thing. Um, having said that there's not a lot of downtime, is there any particular things that maybe have given you a, a favourite place, even if it's just a favourite region about um, uh, where, you, where you've toured? Yeah, I mean, you know, if it's uh, everywhere you tour is, you know, a new experience. And um, I love touring Europe. Um, the, the drives are shorter between countries. So that's, that's a positive for me. But um, uh, I think for me, a lot, uh, one of my favourite places is Romania. It's... Um, I know for me it's it's almost it's quite a magical place in terms of uh, playing there like everyone loves music it's you know not a rich country and so for me I think people appreciate um, their culture and history a lot more and you know music in general and so when you play there you know that they're there because they love what you do and you know I I love kind of that sort of thing and that sort of appreciation and I'm a big kind of um, reader and sort of European history and you know that sort of thing means a lot to me so um yeah just sort of I guess more European countries Scandinavia also I guess you mentioned uh, uh, some, of it, some of the stuff what do you get ready like directly to get ready for a performance for a performance I mean I do you know I do a lot of stretching some exercise uh, beforehand so my body's warmed up um um, obviously, hydration is probably one of the most important things on tour. So, you know, steaming and things like that. Um, also, a lot of warming up and um, just not talking to anyone for uh, probably about an hour before the show. Mm, interesting. So, yeah, all of us have our our different routines. Some of us probably need some routines, but. Um, um, <laughs> But no, I think I think we're managing fine, and it kind of whatever works for us. This is this is like a weird question, but and I've asked it of a bunch of people and tried to get it to make more sense, and I haven't really quite figured it out. But like when you're on stage, what is yeah. it you're trying to do? Like, I know you're trying to yeah. uh, replicate the the music, and you're trying yeah. to you know you, you sing into the mic, but like. Yeah. Outside of that specific thing, what what is it you're trying to do that sort of separates it from like a recording or a rehearsal? 
I think, I think, um, you know, for me, you know, lyrics and what I'm singing actually mean something to me. And so I'm trying to, you know, like, when I sing, they mean something to me. And so I'm, I guess, expressing, expressing that sort of emotion. And, you know, you want everyone, almost everyone in the room to kind of understand that sort of what you're trying to say. Granted, you know, <laughs> in this sort of music, none of the people may actually understand exactly what you're saying unless they know the lyrics and that sort of thing. But, um, you know, you want at least people to be able to feel the emotion that and effort and hard years of work that you've put into what you do. And, um, you know, we have some really passionate um passionate fans that kind of sing along and that sort of thing. And when you get that, you know, sort of response from people, it's it's like fantastic. These people understand. They understand what we're doing and, you know, that's why they're here and it kind of means so much to us. I mean, granted, with me, like, I generally end up, you know, when I'm on stage, I'm generally up in my own world anyway and kind. And a lot of the time I don't necessarily see the crowd, but... Yeah, you can feel them in on my head, you know, in my lyrics, and um, it's kind of, it's kind of another world for me, really. Last year, you lost your voice for uh, before a performance, which unfortunately you couldn't perform. Uh, but what the band decided to do was have a couple of guest vocalists, including one of my good friends. Um, yes. <laughs> what, what was that like for you when you know the, the something you've specifically created, and you're you're momentarily giving over the reign to to someone else? And what, and what do you think well, of the how the way they they performed? This was for the show at the Bendigo Hotel. Yeah, yeah. Was it? Yeah, and that was because um, that was for our tour for um, Citadel, our second album, and um, we we played a show in Melbourne uh, at um, One Seventy Russell, and my voice everything was completely fine and then the next day I woke up and like my voice was feeling really bad and I had no idea what was wrong and so as the day progressed because we're driving to Adelaide and we got there and like all my my lower register had completely cut out of my voice and um, because I ended up having bronchitis and my chest had completely closed up and so I had no lower register whatsoever and I did the whole set um, and doing high screams for it. And, you know, when you compensate, the, um, you know, generally I sing lows and highs and mids and whatever, but when you do one, uh, focus on one for the whole show, when you're generally varying around, it wears that down. And so the next day I could hardly talk because I'd worn the highs down quite a lot. And so then, you know, at 3 a.m. or whatever, um, we were kind of messaging people in Melbourne, singers that we knew, say, "Hey, can you kind of try and learn some songs for us?" Because it was going to be a, it, it was a last-minute advertised small show that you know uh, no one was really expecting. So it's it it wasn't um, a big big stress for me, but um, it's it's a really weird experience to actually watch your own band perform with different singers. It's it's a really surreal experience. You know, Grant, you know, every show you want to be up on stage with your own band playing. Um, but, you know, for me, it was, it was, it was you know, it was a catch-22. It, it gave me a chance to see what the band was like playing. Um, but also at the same time, it was kind of depressing not being there. So, um, but it, it was interesting, and I think all the, all the singers did a pretty good job, so I was quite impressed. But, um, 
yeah, I, I don't. I don't really envy anyone that has to do what I did. It's <laughs> fair enough. A couple of questions about you. How did you first get into metal? Metal, wow. Um, well, I got into metal in probably one of the most unusual places. I um, I used to live in uh, Papua New Guinea years ago, so the island above Australia. And um, my brother's my brother's slightly older than me, and he had a friend that was you know, a bit older than him who kind of you know was listening to sort of some heavy music and you know. Um, he kind of influenced my brother and at the same time myself. And so, you know, the bands I started off listening to was, you know, like Metallica, Slayer, Alice Cooper, um, Guns N' Roses and kind of get a lot of gateway bands like that, I guess, for how people get into a lot of heavy music, at least that was back in those days. And then, you know, it was kind of love at first listen, really, because it was unlike anything I'd heard before. And so from there, you know, um, listening to all that sort of stuff progressed in kind of death metal and deicide and cannibal corpse and carcass and whatnot. And then um, that kind of had a shorter attention span for death metal. And then, you know, uh, I found black metal and that was, you know, that was true love. And so I've kind of loved black metal ever since. But um, I think, you know, generally anyone that gets into heavy music is going to be sort of influenced by someone else that during plays, it's not often that, you know, someone will just hear, uh, click, um, switch over to a heavy channel on the radio and say, after listening to pop and whatever for years and you're thinking, you know, I'm going to switch over, listen to this channel and um, see what it's like. But, um, yeah, a lot of it's just influence uh, from other people. And so, yeah, it's essentially my gateway. Oh, cool. Uh, How did you first start doing vocals? Um... <laughs> Well, vocals was you know it was I was a I was a late bloomer in terms of music because I travelled around a lot uh, as a teenager, and um, it was only I was in I can't remember where, but um, I started you know listening to kind of black metal kind of inspired me to sing because I thought it's such um, it's such a, a harsh raw kind of music, but at the same time it's it has this innate beauty to it and just raw passion and kind of I wanted to kind of I don't know I was an angsty teenager screaming in my bedroom you know screaming to bands like uh, Dissection and Emperor and you know even at the gates and that sort of thing and so you know I was doing that a lot in my bedroom screaming like probably a lot of people I guess start out and um, you know I hurt my voice a lot because I was doing it completely wrong and I thought, you know, if I want to, you know, if I want to do something about this and be able to do that more and possibly be in a band, then I have to go to singing lessons and learn to use my voice properly. And so I went to singing lessons and, you know, that helps with breathing and projection and whatnot. So, um, and then here I am today. In terms of, now this is something I'm not particularly familiar with, but in terms of design, uh, is, there, is there any particular on artists or uh, ideas, ways of doing things that are particularly influential on you? Well, it's, you know, I'm influenced by, you know, I grew up, uh, you know, drawing and painting and that sort of thing, and I've always been loved um, Renaissance art and that sort of thing. So any sort of, you know, 
anything I do is generally going to be influenced in some way by that sort of uh, renaissance feel. Even, I guess, with if you're looking at the cover for Urn, um, the overall picture itself um, isn't necessarily um, directly influenced, but, you know, the pose of the female in I wanted more of a kind of an old-world renaissance feel as to how the person was standing. Um, but, you know, in, if... If I was to say who my favourite artist was, that's an art, a Polish artist, relatively modern, however he died in 2005, uh, by the name of Bekczynski. It's kind of like a really dark, surrealist painter. A lot of um, a lot of bones and decay and that sort of thing. But, you know, a lot of that isn't necessarily influenced in what I do. You know, I don't want to necessarily repli- replicate from other people, but I can still at the same time take inspiration from them. Last question. Uh, you formed a band with Lindsay Schoolcraft. Uh, is it Antiqua? Yeah, Antiqua. Sweet, yeah. sweet. Nailed it. Um, tell us a little bit about that and uh, what the future plans are for it. Uh, well, that's um, so. That's an international band. So everyone's um, in a different country. Well, pretty much all of them are in different countries. There's seven of us at the moment. Uh, two are based in Canada. One's in the US. Um, one is in Norway and uh, to a living in Germany. Um, but it's, um, I, I formed it with um, Lindsay Schoolcraft from Cradle of Filth. Um, and so it's a, I guess, a kind of black orchestral uh, influence black metal band. It's um, where, you know, when, once it's actually all recorded, it's um, all authentic uh, orchestrations like brass sections, string sections, we don't want to be able to use keyboards. I've, it's from day one. I've always wanted to do something with authentic instruments, and that's you know why with uh, with Neo we had a real violin because from day one I wanted. I could have gone down the path of having a keyboard. You know that's you know, fair enough, and if people want to use that sort of thing, but I want to either a violin or a cellist. And so with Antigua, I want you know one step further with kind of a full kind of a orchestral elements to it with authentic instruments and so because we want sort of I guess to be able to you know, still be a modern band but at the same time have like a really old world feel to it something really authentic um, so at the moment you know we're sending each other sort of music and writing across the internet in a way I guess and um, so we're in the midst of writing we're hopefully well ideally by the end of well, by about mid-year or just after I want to have a full album Sort of written, and then, then we'll go and I guess uh, go into the recording process. And you know, one day um, we're looking at we do want to eventually play live. Um, we have had offers to play live already, despite no one actually having heard. So that's <laughs> nice to know that there's interest there. But um, we could completely suck, I guess. But you know, we'll see how it goes. But um, you know, everyone knows that this is. This is their second priority above um, uh, after their main band. So, you know, when people have time, that's when we kind of contribute to Antiqua. Mm, that's definitely something to look forward to. Uh, Neighbour of the Scaros, you'll be touring Australia in February, playing at Melbourne and Max Watts on the 10th. Zen, thank you so much for joining me. It's been an absolute pleasure talking to you. No worries. Thank you very much. Thanks for listening to the Moshpit Backstage Podcast. You can subscribe to us on iTunes and Omni. To 
find out more about the show, go to www.syn.org.au slash moshpit. Like us on Facebook at facebook.com slash moshpitonsin and follow us on Twitter and Instagram at moshpitsin. The regular Moshpit radio show broadcasts punk, rock and metal tunes and interviews every Thursday nights on Sin 9.7 on FM and digital radios. Listeners outside of Melbourne, Australia can stream Sin 9.7 online at www.syn.org.au. Thanks to Vintage Ruin for the music. Hi, this is the Muscle from Flashgun Apocalypse. Hi, I'm Enid from Girls Go. I am Phoebe Pinnock from Heaven the Axe. Hey, this is Gary Oldman of the Hey, this is Kat Sproul from Horizon's Edge, and you're listening to The Moss Pit on Sin FM. Hi, this is Aina from Leopard. Hi, I'm Virginia Lilly from the band Lilly. This is Ron from Shorten 49. Hey, what's up, everybody? This is Ali from Eberhead. Hey everybody, this is Charlie Benante with Anthrax, and you are listening to the Mosh Pit on Tips.